welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. Well, it's 2022. If you didn't notice, anybody notice? 2020. Have you had to write it out yet? That's always awkward the first time or first few times you have to write the new calendar year. And like, typically if I'm writing a check, I'll have what like scratched out the previous year and have to rewrite it, initial it. But I have a, I have a little known tradition. Not many people know this about me. Some of you guys know my quirks. I've got some, I've got some quirks. But most people don't know this that uh, I've got this habit that I engage in every year as the year changes. Um, I purchase a new wall calendar. Um, that's maybe not that unique. Maybe a lot of, does anybody else get a new calendar? Here's what I can guess. Most of you don't get the calendars that I get. Um, I like to find the most obscure, random calendar that I can possibly find. And I put them in my church office uh, but not in a place where anybody else can see. No, I'm not hiding them. But they just, they're, they're, this is just for me, just to amuse me. So they hang on the side of my bookshelf that only I can see from my desk. And, and just throughout the year, they just, they, they make me smile. So um, I thought I'd share a few examples of previous calendars, a few of my favorites. Uh, first of all, in 2011, 2011 featured goats in trees. Can we have that goats in trees? Um, <laughs> This was an amazing year. Um, each month, every month featured some sort of gravity-defying gravity uh, stunt by some oblivious animals that didn't know that what they were doing wasn't actually possible for animals with cloven hoofs. Um, in, uh, that, that was, so that was 2011. 2013 was the year of the underwater dogs. Um, <laughs> This one, I bought this one when I saw the cover and I thought that is amazing. And then as I flipped through each month, I'm pretty sure there's no um, Photoshop happening there. But um, anyway, that was 2013. Uh, let's see, 2010. 2010 featured cow abductions <laughs> and other alien phenomena. This one, this one was fantastic. It always had these scenes of, of UFOs or sometimes aliens engaging with bovine uh, creatures. Um, I'm certain there's no Photoshop in that one. Uh, let's see, 2012, that was the year of magnificent specimens. Uh, basically, it was a calendar that was dudes with sweet facial hair. Now, I bought this one just conceptually for what it was. Uh, what I didn't realize until I got it is that our very own Ranger Bud Reberry and Mitchell Maldonado were featured in the calendar. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Ranger Bud. That was uh, April and, and November, I believe. A um, little bit of moonlighting happening from our team. Uh, let's see, 2017. 2017, uh, this was uh, featured an interesting segment of the population. This was about people who knit sweaters for their tortoises. 
which that's, that's a strange convergence. People who have tortoises, people who knit, and people who then knit, tort- knit sweaters. So I, 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 the one I featured for you there, I think that was November, where the turtle was wearing a sushi um, sweater, which I think is probably wildly inappropriate. If I was that turtle, I would be very uncomfortable in that sweater. Um, here's my all-time favorite, though. This was 2010. It was the extreme ironing calendar. And this is a really, this is a thing. This really is a thing. This is uh, another little known segment of the population. It's people who are adrenaline junkies who um, get their uh, amusement by turning their household chores into death-defying stunts. And so every month featured some sort of, like people ironing from the back of taxi cabs, like post on, it was wild. Okay, so that was my favorite, but one last one, just so you know that I, sometimes I actually do spiritual things. Uh, uh, 2016 was Finding Jesus. <laughs> Which was a lot like, like Where's Waldo? Just very, very different. Um, I put December up there. I, I, I sampled September, or December for you, where it had Jesus in the, or try to find Jesus at the mall during Christmas. Like, that's a challenge. So... Uh, yeah, uh, in addition to that spiritual one, I, I've, I've had uh, nuns having fun was a year. Uh, I had another one that somebody gave me that was, well, I'm not, I won't talk about it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so here's the point. New year, new date, new calendar, new theme, new beginnings. That's what we think about, you know, come change of the calendar year. And I was just thinking this year, wouldn't it be great if just with the change of the calendar, everything really changed? Wouldn't it be great? Like, is there, would, you, would you like a reset button on 2021? 2020? Would you like a reset button? Like, if you could just hit that. What would you want to change? That's, that's, that's not a rhetorical question. What would you want to change from 2021? If you had a reset button and could hit it, what would you want to be different in 2022? COVID, that's a big one. Yeah. Fear, big one. Attitude towards others, yes. Travel restrictions, let's get, yeah. Free pizza. Free pizza. <laughs> okay. That's all, I, I say yes to free pizza. Kim, can we get free pizza for the meet and greet? Not today, but maybe another day. By the way, New York Richies, we try to, as a church, we're in Garden City for Garden City. And so we try to give our business to Garden City businesses whenever possible. There's a, there's a pizza place down here called New York Richies that has Indian pizza. It is fantastic. Just, that's a freebie, okay? If you're online, you can dialogue in the dialogue boxes there. What would you want to change? I can think of all kinds of things that I would want to change. I would want to change the level of, uh, of animosity in our culture towards one another, the amount of uh, civil uh, discord that's just, uh, well, we, don't, we just don't have, uh, we don't have kindness, as, as we said here. Uh, I'd love to change the, the pandemic. You know, honestly, last night, I'm trying to fall asleep. I'm doing what I shouldn't do if, I'm, if I want to fall asleep. I was reading the news. I'm scrolling through my news feed, and there's uh, a story about researchers in Cyprus who've just discovered a new variant of of coronavirus. Uh, this one is a hybrid of Delta and Omicron. So they're calling it Deltacron. So that's exciting. And, uh, but, but they don't even, I mean, it's brand new. They don't even know about it yet. 
And, and you know, I'm reading this, and, and this stuff, like, this is real. Like, you know, as I look at, you know, when, when, when vi- the coronavirus first started back in March of 2020, like, it, it, it took a while before it began to actually affect us locally. It was, it was almost conceptual. We were reading about what was happening globally. We were reading about what was happening in big cities around our country. But, like, I can look around our church, and I can see families that are missing loved ones because of coronavirus. And now, and it just keeps coming in waves, right? I'd love it if we could hit a reset and just make it all be gone. But many aspects of life in our world are not going away, at least not just because of the change of the calendar. Many of them are stuck on repeat. Some of them seem to be ramping up. Do you notice the, the global uh, weather conditions that are just like surprising stuff where we're just getting hammered time after time, like in our nation, in our world, like there's all sorts of stuff happening globally just with the weather. And here's what I think. I, you know, when I read the book of Revelation, I read the book of Revelation and there are these, uh, these cycles that happen throughout the book of Revelation where there are things that are designed to get people's attention, to get humanity's attention and draw us back to a spiritual awakening, draw us to an openness that, that maybe, we, maybe we're not as independent as we think and to turn people towards God. And I think if there's ever a time in our world where, where globally and nationally and locally, people are going to hopefully be more receptive to the truth of God's word and the gospel, that these things that are happening, these things that are so uncomfortable that we would love to reset, they can also awaken us to a spiritual reality. But if we can't change the things that leave us feeling unsatisfied, uneasy, leave us feeling uncomfortable in our world, leaving us feeling uncertain about the future, leaving us feeling undone about just our normal rhythms, what can we change? If we can't just change everything out there that we'd love to change, what can we change? That's the question that we're addressing today. I want to suggest that we can change the way that we engage in the world in a way that changes us, first of all. We can engage in a, in, in a way that changes us and then in turn ripples out and does change our world, changes the circumstances that we navigate, changes the, the, the world around us, changes our environment. And that's through prayer. Doable, sustainable, repeatable rhythms of prayer. Here's our, our title slide for this morning, and you're going to be seeing this image over the next six weeks, uh, well, seven weeks, including today. Um, today is the soft launch uh, of, of a 40-day prayer series that will officially kick off next week. So this doesn't kick off this week. This is kind of a soft launch to, uh, to kind of set the table. Uh, my goal today is, whether you're gathered online or you're gathered on campus, my goal is to envision us as a spiritual family, brothers and sisters with a commonly, common heavenly father, to envision us to engage together in a 40-day prayer sprint. This isn't, a, this isn't a prayer marathon. You don't have to sign up for the rest of your life. But if we could do 40 days of prayer together, and in our devotions, Pastor Mike actually deals with why 40 days. And, you know, 40 days is a, it's a biblical number on many fronts. It's also just from a you know, human perspective, it's the amount of time it takes to cultivate a new habit. And we hope that, that we cultivate new habits as a result of this. So today I want a vision cast for, for why it is that we're doing this. And, and I want to explain kind of the mechanics of how you can be a part. We're going to get into just the logistics of, of what this looks like. Uh, but I'm going to invite you to actually respond. Again, whether you're, whether you're online or whether you're on campus, I'm going to invite you to, to choose today how you're going to respond. It doesn't actually start until next Sunday, so you've got a week to, 
you know, get your life in order. <laughs> and, and to sort of think about this, you have a week to invite other people. You know, we've got these invite cards if you're on campus, these little, we call them six packs, but they're little invite cards with six invites where you can just invite somebody to, to join you. And if you know somebody who's experiencing a lot of uh, consternation, maybe anxiety about the world that we live in, invite them to join us for this prayer series. It, officially, it starts next Sunday. So they haven't missed out if they, if they come next Sunday. You can pick these up in the, in the vestibules as you leave the, the room today. But the framework for this 40-day series is captured in this imagery. You're going to be seeing it throughout the series. And um, I want to just kind of unpack this a little bit. So if you kind of look at the, the line, 40 days of prayer, you got the, the tree above the ground and below the ground, the roots and, the, and then what's visible. And below the ground, what you see is that we're rooting into our identity and our relationship with Jesus through prayer. We're rooting into our identity and our relationship with Jesus through prayer. And we're going to have th- three areas of engagement, three levels of engagement. There's personal engagement. There's intimate engagement with, one or, with, one, with two or more others. And then there's our corporate engagement. And I'll unpack those in a few moments. But what I don't want you to miss out on is the fact that this 40 days at its core is about putting down deeper roots in who Jesus has made us to be and who he's call- how he's calling us to live. That's critical if our lives are going to bear fruit that glorify God in this world. Church, as I said a minute ago, the world is in upheaval. It's not just our nation that's experiencing pandemic. It's not just our government that's thrusting this on us. It's not, it's not just our, our nation's experiencing climate change and all of these things. All the unrest, all the uncertainty, the political upheaval, the economic upheaval, it is global. And the world needs a church that is rooted in Jesus, that is producing life that reflects who Jesus is. Jesus talked about this in Luke 6. He said, a good tree cannot produce good, bad fruit. Again, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say and I would suggest what you do flows from what's in your heart. Here's why I'm excited about this series. I am confident that time spent in prayer, time spent in in prayer that's invisible to others, that nobody may ever see us engaging in our prayer, especially the, the personal aspect of our prayer, but the time spent in prayer will translate into lives that are maturing in Christ's likeness. That is, that is one of the ways in which God transforms us is in our prayer life where we open ourselves to his presence and he transforms us to be more like him so that we're rooting into our, our identity as new creation, that we are, we're called to be a new people. But if we don't allow Jesus to transform us, then what we bring to the world is the same as what everybody else is bringing. And the world doesn't need any more of that. The world needs people who are transformed by Jesus, who are alive with the love and the mercy and the kindness and the power of Jesus. I'm confident that time spent in prayer will translate into lives that are maturing in Christ-likeness in the visible ways by which we engage in the world, in ways that bear fruit that we're not just adding to the thorns. Which brings me to the part of our imagery that's above the ground. If you look at that slide again, above the ground, you see there, we're going to have six areas of focus during this series. Beginning with the trunk, that's the, the personal aspect, and then working our way kind of clockwise 
we're going we're to have six weeks of focus. So the first week is going to be a personal life. And then the next week is going to be our home life. And the next week, the focus is going to be our church life. The next week is going to be our city. And the next week is going to be our nation. And then our, our, our final week, our, our, the climactic you know, end of this is, is praying for our world. You might think of it in, in concentric circles because we're going to spend one week on each of these. So the concentric circles is the same, same idea, but just a different model, just to, for those of you who, are, um, who think differently. We're going to start at that, at that core. It's a little bit like when the disciples were sent by Jesus to Jerusalem and then to Judea and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're going to begin with our personal lives and then we're going to spend a week praying about our home life and then rippling out to our church life and our city, nation, world. So we're going to spend, beginning next week, one week, seven days on each of those themes. And here's what I want to invite you to do. And I want to challenge you to commit to today is in joining at those, at those um, six weeks at three levels of engagement. So the, the three levels of engagement are... PowerPoint just froze up. The three levels of engagement are personal, intimate, and corporate. So I'll unpack that, but we're going to see each of these in the passage we're in today. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And this passage is set in the first days of the church following Jesus' resurrection. This is when the disciples had, been, had at last been filled with the indwelling Holy Spirit. You remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had told them he, before he returned to the Father following his resurrection, he'd said, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when you'll be empowered to go out and take my mission into the world, into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He said, but don't, don't try and do it apart from that. And so they've been waiting. And, and Acts tells the story of how when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, it was demonstrative, it was visible, it was powerful, it was transformative. Peter's a different person. The Peter that denied Jesus to a servant girl in the garden just, just you know, several weeks pr- prior to this is now preaching boldly to big crowds. And so this happens on the day of Pentecost, which is, it's another feast week. You know, we looked, uh, as, we, as we got into Christmas, we were in, the, in the, the season of Jesus' crucifixion. And we saw that that took place during the, the Passover season, which was a festival in Jerusalem. Well, now when we get to Pentecost, that's another festival week in Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem's crowded with all kinds of people from all over the known world. All of them come, and, and here's what they experience in the manifestation of the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. They hear them speaking in languages that they don't know. And they hear the gospel in their own language. And they're caught by this. They're amazed by it. So a large crowd of Jewish travelers, they gather around the disciples. And as we jump in, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2. Peter has just finished explaining that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. That the Jewish people had had been waiting for a Messiah that was going to rescue them and, and restore God's creation to what God intended. And they've been waiting for that. And Peter says, hey, the person we've been waiting for for thousands of years now has come. His name is Jesus. And we crucified him. And that's bad news. And so you can imagine the people, if, as, they, as they, to the degree that they accepted that, they were alarmed by it. We're going to pick up in verse 2. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, you too, and essentially, you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, it's also for you and for your children, from all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God would call to himself. Even people 2,000 years from now in Boise, Idaho. And with many other words, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day, one day, about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people. That is, that is beyond multiplication. That is crazy church growth. From like, you know, 11 apostles and some other disciples that have been following Jesus, as, as many as 120 to 3,000 people. This moment, that's that moment that we just read about, that is the birth of the early church. And for our purposes today, we're not going to go into all that when, and we're going to continue this passage, but we're not going to unpack this passage entirely. What I want you to focus on today is that first level engagement was personal. Peter called on each and every one of them to respond personally to the message about Jesus, to repent and to turn from their independent lifestyles. To repent is a, is a turning away from, from one way of living towards another way of living. And Peter says it's turning from independent living where you are your own master, your own savior, and you're turning to accept that you need a savior. And there's, there's a repentance involved. And that invitation that, that Peter made to them today, that day, it came with a promise that if they turned to Jesus in true repentance, that they would be forgiven and that they too would receive this, this spiritual birth, the thing that the disciples had just experienced where the indwelling Holy Spirit had come upon them, made his home in them and began to, to, to change them from the inside out, began to empower them for, for who he's calling them to be in this world, that that was for them too. They were to then be baptized as an act of faith by which they would receive this new life and forgiveness and through which they would publicly identify as followers of Jesus. So Luke tells us that 3,000 people, some 3,000 people personally responded that day. But as Luke goes on, and so we're just going to keep reading the next paragraph, th their personal relationship with Jesus didn't stay just personal. It's not like they made a personal commitment and then they just went about life as normal. Many of these people, they, they don't actually live in Jerusalem. They've traveled to Jerusalem from foreign cities just for Pentecost. Their plan is to go home after this. And their life is completely disrupted. Their plans are changed by this. Many, many of them just stay there in Jerusalem after this. That's why they had to have communal living because, because suddenly they, they were all visitors in a foreign city. This disrupted and transformed the way they lived their lives. It reorganized their plans. And it wasn't just personal. It was something they did together. That's what we're going to look at. It rippled out and it, into the way that they matured in their faith in Jesus together. Let's read 242. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that's sharing meals together, and prayer. These people, these new believers in Jesus, new followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had their things in and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And I just want you to notice those two locations, temple and homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. It wasn't just that initial wave of 3,000. They kept growing. People kept joining them. In that final verse, we see that in addition to their faith being worked out personally, it also began to mature as they worked it out with others. There was the, the intimate gathering as they gathered in homes with, you know, as many people would fit into a, a typical household in the first century, which wasn't that big. These are not mansions, right? So, so there was the intimate gathering where they gathered with a few, often over a meal. But there's also the corporate gathering in the temple, sometimes in the, the courts of the temple, where they gathered as a large group and they gathered there to pray, to worship, to celebrate, to praise. They gathered, and, and it was in that public environment that God did miracles, that, that the same type of things that Jesus had done as signs that he truly was the Messiah, he did those through his apostles too. He did those through the church to other people as signs, signs and wonders. As a result, they grew. They grew with more people coming to faith in Jesus. I want to point this out. Nowhere in here, Luke, Luke is the author. He's the one that's writing down this story. He's researched it. He's, he's the author. As he, as he writes this, he doesn't say that they had a brilliant growth strategy that was very effective. There's no, there's no like, well, they, they looked at all the models that were, op, that were options for how they could grow as followers of Jesus, and they chose this growth strategy because it seemed the most effective. It wasn't about a growth strategy that was effective. It was about authentic life with God and one another that was attractive. People, people joined them because the way they were living was attractive. It was different than the world around them. And they saw something in them. They experienced something in them that was different, that was attractive, that was winsome. And so they grew. Again, they didn't have a model for growth. They had a lifestyle of prayer. And that lifestyle of prayer made space for God to do what only God could do. It made space for God to expand and extend his kingdom, not only in them, God's kingdom was, was growing in them and, and they were being transformed to become more like him, but it was extending out into the world around them. This is why we want to engage in this 40 days of prayer. This is not, this is not simply something that I came up with. This is a, a collaborative team decision of our pastors as we said, what, is the, what does the church need right now? God, would you show us? And we, and we said, you know what? Let's, let's start this new year really rooted in prayer together. Let's, let, what if we could join together? In, in 40 days of prayer where together we are, are really seeking God, committing to do that together. We expect there to be a, a synergy and, a, and a, a collaboration that comes from this. We want, we, and we're hoping it happens at all three levels, the personal prayer, the more intimate settings that are a few people, and the larger corporate setting. And here's why. We want to see our lives personally and our life together bear fruit that attracts people to Jesus. Church, do you want that? Do you want to see people come to know Jesus? If our lives are not attractive, if our lives aren't being transformed, there's nothing that we have to offer people. But if we live differently in this world with all this upheaval, then we have something to offer. I'm going to get into the mechanics of this, but I want to address two questions about why pray. And these aren't the only reasons to pray, but just to keep this really really simple and clear. 
Why, why would we pray? Why do we want to spend 40 days in prayer? I'll say this. First of all, because it changes us. And we have to begin there. We have to begin with, with us being transformed through prayer. Philippians 4, 5 through 7 reads like this. This is, now, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to a church in Philippi that was also experiencing quite a bit of upheaval. For them, it took the form of, of, of persecution in some cases. We know from the letter of Philippians that, that some of the people in the church were actually experiencing persecution. There was poverty that was running rampant through their church. And so they were experiencing a lot of cultural disjunction. This is what Paul wrote to them. He said, the Lord is at hand, or, or in some translations, the Lord is near. Okay? And don't miss that because, you know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray then this way. They said, will you teach us how to pray? And, and, and he said, okay, pray then this way, our Father in heaven. 2,000 years later, from our Western worldview, we hear our Father in heaven, and that can make us think of, our, of a God who's distant, a God who's up there somewhere. And that's not what his disciples would have heard. When he, Heavenly Father said that, that God was in the heavens, he was everywhere, ever-present, always near. And so Paul begins this little, little teaching about prayer by reminding them, God is near. You, you, the circumstances you can see, pandemics, economies, jobs, sickness, upheaval, whatever it is, you can see all that, know this. In the middle of that, God is present. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you caught this. Now, there are tons of scripture that talks about prayer actually changing things. This one doesn't talk about changing circumstances out there. It talks about changing how we engage with our world. Because when the things that you're anxious over, and they had legitimate things to be anxious over, we have legitimate things to be anxious over. But he says, don't feed that. Don't lean into the anxiety. Instead, remember that your heavenly father, your creator, your redeemer, your savior is near and, and turn those anxieties into prayer. Whatever's in, and so again, you know, we're, we're going to be in six weeks each with these themes. Like what's your anxiety about your personal life, your life, your spiritual life, your maturing in Christ-likeness, your health, your finances, whatever, bring those, turn those anxieties into prayer. What's your anxieties about your home life, about your family, your household, your extended family? Turn those things into prayer. And, and he doesn't say that the moment you do that, everything's going to change. He says, you'll be changed. Instead of dealing with, from a, living from a place of anxiety, you can live with a peace that doesn't even make sense. It does, it's, it's a peace that surpasses understanding. Why does it surpass understanding? Because the circumstances may not have changed yet. The circumstances may be very much the same as when you got on your knees. But you can engage with them differently. As we focus in on each of these six areas during the next 40 days, we get to bring our hopes and our fears. We get to bring our concerns, all the things that might make us personally anxious. We get to bring those to God in prayer. And regardless of how and where those prayer, how and when those prayers are answered, and I do believe they're answered, Regardless of how and when they're answered, we'll be changed. 
that we can move into our world with peace instead of anxiety, with a confidence that comes from being rooted in God's presence, his promised presence. I love that passage. That's, that's, a, that's a, a good one for me. I, go, I visit this, this passage quite a bit. But you know what? I engage with our world differently. I engage with my family differently. I feel different. I engage with the world differently when I've taken the time to actually be present with God and to tell him, these are the things that I'm concerned about that I can't control. I invite you into them. And I, and I move into our world with peace. Again, I don't know if I can say this enough. Our world needs people that are moving out into our world, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our schools, our friendships, people with an, with an unanxious presence, people that aren't freaked out by the state of the world, people that are paying attention to it, but that aren't freaked out by it, that our hope is in something deeper and bigger. So why pray? Because it changes us. The other reason why we pray is because it does, in fact, change our environment and our circumstances. There, prayer is really effective. It really does affect change in our world and in our circumstances. Right, here's a challenge. I'm not going to do this today. We don't have time to do this today. But if you're unconvinced that prayer actually makes a difference or that, or that prayer, there's, there's a promised change from prayer, grab your Bible. Just go to, you don't have to read the whole thing. Well, you can. In fact, read the whole thing. But the four books of the, the begin the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four stories about Jesus' life. And if you just do a word search in those four books about prayer and read what Jesus did in prayer and what he promised about prayer, you'll see that Jesus is, is explicit and unambiguous in his promise that to his disciples that prayer changes things, that prayer affects change. Now, it doesn't always look like what we, what we would ask for it to look like, but prayer does change things. We invite God in prayer. He answers. I, how, how do we reconcile the, the promises? I, my, I don't have my Bible here. I, I need my prop. But I left it in my office this morning. Um, how do we reconcile? No, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, though. How do we reconcile the, the, the promises that Jesus made about how prayer is so effective with our experience of prayer? Because I know I've offered prayers that seemingly weren't answered. I know I've offered prayers for the sick that, that weren't answered. I know I've offered prayers for my, my family or myself that weren't answered. How do I reconcile that with Jesus' promise? And here's, what I can, here's, here's the best way I've come to, to understand it, is that God is a good father. He's a perfect parent. And as a child, there's things I ask him for that wouldn't actually be in my best interest or in the best interest of others. That as a good parent, he's going to do what's best. And with those very circumstances that I bring to him, he may not answer the way I want him to answer, but he does answer. And because he's a good parent, there's things that I, I'm convinced that the vast majority of God's interaction in our lives is stuff that we never see or recognize or ask for, that he's, he's involved. And, and, and like a good parent, there's things that I, I try to be a good dad and a good husband. And, and there's things that I do for my family that I'll do regardless of whether they ever ask me to do them. Nobody, there's, I can give you a whole list of things they never ask me to do that I still do for the sake of our family. 
but there's other things that I do simply because someone in the family asked me to. And I wouldn't have done it, but when they asked me to, I say, absolutely, right? In the same way, there's things, the vast majority of what God does, his involvement in our lives, we never see it, we never recognize it, we never ask for it. He's just that good. And there's things that he does simply because we ask him. And he's a good father and he cares about his kids. So we're going to ask him about these things. So as we begin, as we begin this new calendar year, I'm inviting us to join together as a spiritual family, as brothers and sisters of a good heavenly father, and ask him to change both us and our world. As we close, I just want to flesh out what those three levels of engagement look like, uh, the personal, the intimate, and the corporate. So first of all, the personal part. I want to encourage you to engage in one-on-one time with God. Uh, specifically, I'm asking you, regardless of what you normally do in your devotional life or what you normally don't do in your devotional life, I'm asking you to engage in the, the, the devotions that Pastor Mike has written for us. He's done a phenomenal job. We've already got the, the full 40 days written. And they're, they're a little bit different than our normal devotions. They're a little shorter. And they start with a scripture and a prayer prompt. But they're a daily devotional guide. They're bite-sized devotions with accompanying scripture to inspire your mind and your heart on the day's theme. So every week's going to have a focus, but every day is going to have a specific theme within that focus. You can, cho- you can choose your preferred format for how to engage. You can sign up for the daily email if you don't get that. So it'll be kind of like a daily trickle every day in your inbox, somewhere around six in the morning, you'll get an email that will just have the text written out for the day. Or you can sign up for the, or you can subscribe to the daily podcast. Uh, we have a, we podcast our devotions as an audio form. So you can get those in all the different platforms for podcasting. Or if you don't want to do either the devotions or the podcast, you can go to our website. This isn't live today yet, but we're going to have a published PDF of the full 40-day guide. And you can pull that in. You can download it, um, download it to your device or your computer. Um, you can print it out if you want. It's going to be a lot of colored printing. So um, we're not going to have hard copies here because um, it's just not a good stewardship of our environment. But... Um, but it, it, this, if you need help with this, we'll f- help you figure it out, okay? I'll just, hands down, we'll help you figure it out. But here's what I want to say. Uh, we all have our own ways of engaging with God. We're, we're um, my, my nurse practitioner at my doctor's office once gave, she used this word, she was just talking to my wife and I, and she said, we're all bio-individualistic, which meant that we don't all respond to everything the same way. Our bodies don't respond the same way. I think our spiritual life is the same way. We don't have a one-size-fits-all as far as how to engage with God. We have a one-size that we all need to engage with God, but it doesn't look the same for all of us. I know my wife and I, one of our preferred ways of engaging with God is there's a, uh, an app that we have that guides us through an audio prayer, and it's, it fits our temperament. Like we, we, we engage with that prayer app almost every day. You may have your own rhythm of how you engage with God. You may have, you know, some people use prayer apps. Some people use Jesus Calling. Some people, you know, have all, there's all kinds of of ways you can engage with God. And if you can do both, wonderful. I just want to encourage you, would you engage in, for this 40 days, would you engage with our devotional content? Maybe you don't have a normal rhythm. Again, as I said earlier, 40 days is the amount of time it takes to establish a new habit. 
And so I want to invite you to, to, to consider what it looks like. Um, and I think it's just good to stretch our comfort zones. So if you aren't currently using our devotions, here's where you can find them. I'll put up this, this screen. This QR code, you can scan that code with your smartphone. It'll take you directly to our website where you can sign up. Uh, it's a specific page on our website where if you don't already get the devotions in your email, there's a sign up there. There's also the links for Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google. And um, it's also where you can find a, a printed PDF or a downloadable PDF. So... Uh, Daily Trickle, sign up for the email. Daily Audio, subscribe to the podcast. Visit the website, download the whole kit and caboodle. I wrote that in my notes, and then I thought, what does kit and caboodle mean? <laughs> I have no idea. You know, there's those things that we say, and like, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know. You can email me if you know. So, but here's the thing. So I want to encourage you, as far as a personal level of engagement, to, to let this guide you in a bite-sized way every day through the, six, the seven days per week, six, six weeks of themes. Let this guide you. But how do you use it? And it may not look the same for each of us. That's why we have it in, in various forms. We have it as a written form. We have it as an audio form. If you're, if you're a contemplative and you, you like to sit down and, and be still and quiet yourself, you might like the email where you can read it or the podcast where you can listen to it. But maybe what you need to do is sit down in a chair favorite chair by the fireplace. You can light a candle and remind yourself that God is near and you can sit down and you can in a contemplative way engage. That's what I have to do for the most part when I engage devotionally because I, otherwise my, I'm distracted. My brain is all over the place. And so if I'm going to focus, I've actually got to dial down. But other people need, connect, they need to be kinetic. They need to be moving. And so you may l- listen to the devotions best, like on a podcast, and, you know, and be out on a walk or while you're prepping dinner or while you're cleaning up from dinner. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can engage with it. That, and I would encourage you to do that. You can, um, you can do it in the shower. You can listen to it in the shower at least, right? Honestly, the, shower, the morning shower is one of my favorite places to pray. There's all kinds of imagery as I just invite God to wash over me. Holy Spirit is often described as, as, a, as a water, as an infilling. You can pray in the shower. You can pray in a coffee shop with your earplugs or earbuds. You know, on Friday, I actually, Friday, I was, Friday morning, I, I took my parents to a doctor's appointment and I was sitting in the waiting room waiting for them, waiting room full of people, socially distanced, but, but full. And I did my devotions there. I just put in my earbuds and closed my eyes and I was in my own world with God. And I left that waiting room less anxious than when I came in. Knowing how to respond to conflicts that had just happened in my world with a, with a, with a heart that God changed my heart just as I gauged them devotionally. So all that to say, you can do this anywhere. Make sure you do it. And if you miss a day, if you miss one of the days, Tomorrow's a new day. Don't beat yourself up, okay? Don't beat yourself up. Secondly, intimate prayer. What does that look like? It's with two or more people. So I I put these in form of a question. Do you have a friend that you are close to and share more than you would with a stranger or casual acquaintance? As we pray about our personal lives, our home lives, our church, there's people we need to be able to share with more transparently than we would an actual stranger. So is there someone that you can say, hey, on a weekly basis as we're in each one of these themes, can we connect and, and share with what we're praying with and commit to, to pray for each other? Can we, can we do that? 
Maybe there's a family member, uh, or are you in a life group or a recovery group or a Bible study? You can start a text thread with one another and share personal stories. So even if you're not physically present, our, my life group, we, we only meet every other week. We don't meet every single week, but we made a commitment with, to each other last week that, that when we get together, um, or that we're going to use our text thread to share, hey, as we're on the theme of home this week, here's how I'm praying for my, my household. Would you join me in that? How can I pray for your household? So we're going to do that as a life group. You can start a text thread. The other thing you can do is you can join one of our daily worship or prayer meetings on campus. So Sunday through Thursday, there's the chapel back behind the, the, the coffee bar over here. And at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, we have a time of worship and prayer. So I know that time doesn't work for everybody, but maybe there's a day of the week it does work for you. I invite you to join us. And during this 40 days, we will incorporate the prayer theme for that day during every one of those, of those times we gather. So there's, there's the intimate gathering with two or more. The last one is easy. It's the, it's the corporate gathering on Sunday. And it's not a new habit you'd have to cultivate here. Um, we'll facilitate that each week. Each week, we're going to introduce the new theme. And by the way, the devotions for this series, normally our daily devotions, they prepare us for Sunday. During this series, they're going to, they're going to follow Sunday. So next week, when we get to personal, personal prayer, we'll introduce that on Sunday. And then we'll have seven days of devotion about personal prayer that are all focused on that. So the thing you do need to do is show up. Got to show up. Acts 2 tell, told a story. We read this briefly. We told, told the story of a, a church that was rooted in personal prayer, in personal response to God, and in collaborative prayer together. They became a changed people who saw God change their world. And I want to ask, can we believe for that in our day? Can we believe that God will transform us and transform our world as we commit together as brothers and sisters with a common heavenly father to pray, to seek his will, to seek his, his, his will, his word, his ways? I believe we can do that. If you're on campus, you got one of these response cards as you came in this morning. Uh, if, you did, if you're on campus and you didn't get one, if you raise your hand, uh, our ushers will bring them around. We want every person to have one. They're not one per family. They're one per person. So raise your hand if you didn't get one of these. Uh, if you're joining online, I'm going to put the content of these uh, up on the screen in just a moment. But, um, but you can also stop by the office and pick these up during the week. We'll have a stack out at the reception counter. But um, on the front, they just have the imagery that, that's going to guide us through the six weeks with the three levels of, uh, of engagement. But on the back, it's got some questions. And um, I just want to challenge you to back up, back up your desire for change and your belief that God can change with a commitment. And so here's the three questions we asked. First of all, in terms of the personal level of engagement, where in my daily rhythms can I engage with a devotional prayer prompt? I tried to give you a couple of ideas about what it might look like for you to either read the devotions or listen to them and just use that as a springboard to guide some prayer for the day. What would that look like for you? Where can you make some time? Maybe you can do it during your commute. If you've got a long commute, listening to the podcast can be a great way to spend that time. Redeem the commute. So, so think about that. Where might you be able to, to engage with it personally? On the intimate level, who in my life can I connect with in a weekly rhythm to share what we are praying for regarding the, that week's focus. How and when will we connect? Again, it doesn't have to be in person. If it can, that's great. That's ideal. Maybe it's your family gathering around the dinner table, committing to, to pray together, to, to say, hey, this, today we're praying about this. What, what, what does that look like for you? 
How and when can you connect? And then lastly, on the corporate level, can you commit to engaging each week in our Sunday gathering? Some of that will be online, some of that will be on campus, but can you commit to engaging for the six weeks so that we can keep progressing forward together? You know, um, yeah. I could say more, but I'm going to end there because I want to invite you to think about that. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. We're, we're going to put on a little bit of, of just house music for just a second. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to shape this in us, to awaken in us a desire to pray and a, and a confidence that prayer can make a difference and to help us know specifically what might this look like for me? What might this look like for us? And I, I want to ask you, so these cards, you don't have to fill these out and turn them into me. Like we're not going to follow up with you, call you, say, hey, you said here that you were going to be doing this Monday mornings at 8.30. How's that working out for you? We're not going to follow up with you. This is for you. It's, it's so that you can have a tangible piece that you can, you can put this somewhere to remind you. Because if you're not in the rhythm of this, you're going to need a reminder. That's legit. But the back part is, will you commit? Like, don't let this be just a good intention. Turn this into an action. And so we've, we've left space there for you to write in. What are you going to do? If you're online, I've got the questions for you there. We'll put those on the screen and encourage you to respond to those as well. Maybe journal your response, but I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. So we read about that church in Acts that experienced the first baptism of the Holy Spirit. and We see the difference it made in them. We see how how it attracted people and, and transformed and reorganized their lives. God, we need that in our time. We need that in our place. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, would you, would you show each one of us, would you give us creativity? to awaken in us ideas about when to pray, who to pray with, how to engage. As things come to you, I invite you to write your answers in. It creates a level of, of uh, commitment, ownership, Heavenly Father, we, we need more than human strategies to see our world transformed, to see more people come to know you and enter into discipleship, learning to live their lives from you. Let it begin with us. Let it begin with a people who are transformed, a people who are changed, to carry your image faithfully in our world, to carry your image in a way that glorifies you and is attractive to others. That it's for the sake of others. God, our world is in, is in uh, desperate 
desperate times, would you awaken your church? Would you use this time of the, this 40 days of prayer beyond even what we would know to ask for? Would you use this to transform and empower and commission and multiply your church? We offer ourselves to you, our lives personally and our life together for your glory, for the sake of others, and for our abundant joy, for our abundant life. Amen. Hey, we have a meet and greet for those of you who are new. This is going to be right over here in Auditorium 2. Love to see you there. Uh, If you need prayer this morning, though, um, I know many people are are dealing with circumstances or uh, places where you would just love to have someone pray with you. Uh, We believe prayer changes things. And so I want to invite you to just uh, come to the areas beneath the screens on either side of the room. If you're online, you can use the, the, uh, the chat features for prayer. Um, you can also send a prayer, an email to prayer at vineyardboise.org. Uh, if you send an email to prayer at vineyardboise.org and include your name and phone number, uh, if you include that, we'll call you um, and pray with you. But if you'd like prayer this morning, if you just come up around the, the edges of the stage here, our prayer team would like to gather with you. And, and prayer team, uh, if you see people around the room that need prayer, um, let's, let's start today. The, officially, this thing starts next week, but we can start today. All right? Go make the invisible God visible. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.